a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. As you can probably hear, still a little under the weather today, but uh, glad to be behind the microphone and uh, talking with you. Thanks again for uh, being a part of the program today. So Joe Biden is uh, in Pennsylvania, uh, Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, where he's giving a speech talking about crime, talking about the need for a uh, or the supposed need for a ban on so-called assault weapons. Yeah, this is the uh, second time in a week that uh, Joe Biden has made a call to ban modern sporting rifles, a part of his stump speech uh, ahead of the midterm elections. Now, as I am recording this, uh, Biden has not given his speech, so I'm having to go on some of the previews that have been uh, uh, written about this. Uh, But we have a general idea of uh, what he is going to say and what he has said. White House has said on Monday that he'll be using his visit to call out Republicans for opposing his proposal to restore a ban on, quote, assault-style weapons. Now, uh, it should be noted that there were a couple of House Democrats who voted against that measure as well, and I suspect that there were actually several more Democrats who only went along with this ban because they were told, uh, hey, when we get back after the August recess, we're going to vote for this uh, pro-police funding bill as well. You know, Biden is also going to be talking about uh, the need to fund the police, which hasn't happened in in Congress because of progressive Democrats. Remember, the whole reason why the Democrats were going to vote on this ban on so-called assault weapons, it it was basically a twofer, right? So Nancy Pelosi had brokered this agreement between the smaller moderate wing of the Democratic Party, the much broader progressive wing of the Democratic Party. And the moderates were going to go along with the gun ban and the progressives were going to hold their nose and vote for a bill that would give uh, federal grant money to local law enforcement agencies. So Democrats could say, look, we're not interested in defunding the police. Why we're funding the police in order to go after the guns. That was the grand bargain that Nancy Pelosi struck. But then uh, the progressives backed out. They said, well, no, we're, we're, we can't support the bill as it is because there aren't enough uh, police accountability measures in the grants to local law enforcement. So Nancy Pelosi said, all right, well, here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to vote for that gun ban and then we'll break for the recess. And then we come back. The progressives had assured us that, you know, they'll, they'll vote for this uh, police funding bill because we'll we'll work out all the uh, the language. Well, so far, that hasn't happened. Progressives are still balking at the police funding bill. Meanwhile, again, um, those quote unquote moderate Democrats, most of them went on the record now in favor of banning the most commonly sold rifle in the country, which I think could prove somewhat problematic, although the White House doesn't see it that way. Uh, White House Press Secretary uh, Karine Jean-Pierre said a majority of Americans support this. The NRA opposes it. So we're going to hear from the president about the importance of making sure that we protect our communities. Listen, I'm all in favor of protecting our communities, but you don't do that by stripping Americans of their right to keep and bear commonly owned firearms. That That's a violation of people's fundamental civil rights. The way that you improve public safety is by focusing on the trigger pullers. 
by going after those violent offenders. And again, so far, progressive Democrats have balked at doing anything like that. Because, let's face it, even though defund the police is not a slogan that a lot of Democrats are trotting out these days, there is still uh, an animosity, uh, particularly among progressive Democrats, about anything having to do with law enforcement, which, strangely enough, could actually help them ally with gun owners who also aren't in favor of any more gun control laws, right? I mean, I think there's actually common ground to be found in terms of community violence prevention programs, but uh, the gun control lobby doesn't want that. They, 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 again, they are focused on a law enforcement specific solution, right? Criminalizing the right to keep and bear arms, at least common aspects of it, uh, and banning our way to safety, which also, by the way, includes arresting our way to safety and prosecuting our way to safety based on nonviolent possessory offenses that have been carved out of our right to keep and bear arms. So is this push for a ban on so-called assault is going to do anything? I mean, it's not going anywhere in the Senate right now. That That's pretty much guaranteed. But what about as a midterm election issue? Polling has shown that crime and, quote unquote, gun violence uh, is one of the top concerns of American voters. Although how these questions are asked, how open ended they are, uh, I think changes the results. Uh, The Associated Press reported that only 11% of U.S. adults named crime or violence is one of the top five issues that they consider most important for the government to work on in the next year, according to an Associated Press NORC poll conducted back in June. That's, by the way, unchanged since December. And the Associated Press says it's well below the percentage, naming many of the other top issues for Americans. So I think it remains to be seen whether or not this is going to be a, uh, a winning campaign issue for Joe Biden. Look, clearly, I think there are a lot of Americans who are rightfully concerned about rising rates of violent crime. But let's look at Philadelphia, for example. You know, Joe Biden's got to be in Wilkes-Barre today. Well, Philadelphia, PA, is on pace for another record high number of homicides. They set a new record last year with 538. They're on pace for even more this year. But AR-15s are not the primary murder weapon of choice for violent criminals in Philadelphia or frankly, anywhere else around the country. Again, according to the FBI Uniform Crime Reports, rifles of any kind, not just semi-automatic rifles, not just modern sporting rifles or so-called assault weapons, but rifles of any kind are used in fewer homicides in the United States than blunt objects like hammers or even fists or feet. Handguns are by far the most common firearm used in violent crime. But the Supreme Court has already said, can't ban handguns. So Joe Biden isn't calling for a ban on handguns. Now, we've talked before about how the uh, gun control lobby is actually pushing the ATF to uh, go after semi-automatic, not just long guns, but perhaps semi-automatic handguns as well. But that's not really happening at the administrative level right now, right? This is something the gun control lobby is pushing, but the Biden administration has not embraced it. Maybe after the midterms, but not now. In short, what Biden is calling for is a proposal that would, I believe, infringe on the rights of every law-abiding citizen to purchase and possess and keep and bear arms that are in common use for a variety of lawful purposes. At the same time, 
These are guns that are not used in a lot of crime. So even banning them, let, let's, let's just say, let's play this thought experiment. So we ban them. Not only do we ban the future sale of modern sporting rifles and quote unquote large capacity magazines, but let, let's say we go full Biden and we embrace his campaign plan which was to restrict AR-15s and other modern sporting rifles, put them under the auspices of the National Firearms Act, require every gun owner in America who owns one of those rifles to register them with the government, pay a $200 tax stamp, or turn them in. Let's say we did that. What kind of impact would there be on violent crime? Not much. Because again, those guns aren't used in a lot of crime. And frankly, violent criminals who, let's say a violent criminal, thought to himself, ah, you know what? I'm going to use an AR-15. Oh, I can't. They've all been banned and everybody's turned them over or they've you know registered them with the government. Ah, what am I going to do? I guess I could steal one. Anyway, uh, I guess I could make my own. Ah, ah, okay, forget it. Why wouldn't they just pick up a handgun or a shotgun? And it, as I mentioned as well, they could also steal a gun. They could also build their own because technology has advanced to the point that that's fairly easy to do, even with uh, Joe Biden's new ghost gun rules in effect. This is not a serious public safety strategy. This is a campaign issue that Joe Biden is using to try to paint Republicans as out of touch or extreme, right? They care more about their guns than they care about children, which again, it's not the case for any gun owner that I know. But if we're going to get serious about public safety, and I don't think Joe Biden's interested in doing that, but if we are going to get serious about public safety, look, we can we can point to what cities around the country are doing that are seeing success. We talked about Buffalo, New York on this program just a couple of days ago, more than a 30 percent reduction in homicides this year, not because of any of New York's gun control laws. But because of a simple change in policing strategy where they focus on the hot spots where these crimes are taking place. They put more officers there. They put them on the street. They get out of the car. They start walking the block. They start talking to neighbors. That has had a huge impact in Buffalo, New York. And Buffalo took that idea from Dallas, Texas. Dallas police implemented this idea last year. They also saw a 30% reduction in homicides. There are plenty of things that we can do to address violent crime, to improve public safety, without trying to infringe on the constitutional rights of American citizens. But Joe Biden's not interested in those ideas. As much as he might talk about funding the police, really, where his heart is, is in banning guns. Now, let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. Uh, we've actually got a twofer here in terms of our Armed Citizen story and our good deed of the day. Uh, but we'll start with our recidivist report from Northern Virginia, where a rape suspect has a long criminal history, uh, according to uh, local uh, news. Uh, this was from uh, NBC4 in Washington. Fairfax County man charged in the rape of a woman in Reston, Virginia, inside of her home Sunday night. Apparently faced a judge twice in the days before the alleged attack, once for a probation violation and once for an unrelated crime. Now, the victim was sleeping inside her apartment. It was just before midnight on Sunday when a man armed with a knife sexually assaulted her. He then took the woman's phone and left. Within hours, though, police had a suspect identified as 22-year-old Anthony Agee of Reston. Uh, detectives uh, took another look at evidence gathered in the same neighborhood back on June the 9th when police investigated the report of a peeping Tom. A ring camera recorded somebody walking back and forth, a handprint on a window, 
ended up leading to the arrest of AG. AG's prints were on file because of his previous criminal history. Um, According to court records, AG pleaded guilty four years ago in 2018 to armed burglary. Now, he's 22 years old. So this was probably his first adult charge. We don't know if there were any juvenile charges, but uh, at 18, he pleaded guilty to armed burglary. He was sentenced in 2019 to 15 years in prison in Virginia. Yeah, three years ago, got a 15-year prison sentence. But all but three years were suspended. Yeah. So he didn't have to do 15 years. He really didn't even have to do three. After he was released from prison, AG was placed on probation. He was already out by 2021 when he was convicted in three more crimes. But in each case, NBC Washington says he was sentenced to 180 days with all of his sentence suspended. On February 11th of this year, a judge held a probation revocation hearing and determined that AG was in violation of his probation, but once again, AG avoided prison. Twelve days later, he was arrested and charged with burglary, as well as possession of a firearm by a convicted felon, a felon for an alleged shooting at a, a strip club in Springfield, Virginia, that I may or may not have been to at one point in my previous life. Uh, but the charges were dropped when prosecutors asked police for additional evidence. Then on August the 12th, a second probation violation hearing was held. A judge again found AG had violated probation, but once again was not sent back to prison. He had a 15-year sentence hanging over his head. And the judge told him when he was sentenced to that 15-year sentence and all but three years were suspended, listen, if you screw up, if you violate your probation, you're going back to prison. You're going to serve the entire sentence. And multiple times, the criminal justice system proved that judge wrong because AG was found to be violating his probation and it didn't matter. Just a few hours after that second probation violation hearing was held and AG was once again let loose, he was arrested in uh, Reston, Virginia. Fairfax police said uh, in the car that uh, AG was riding and they found more than a pound of marijuana and drug paraphernalia. He was arrested, charged with felony possession with intent to distribute, then posted a $2,000 bond, was back out on the street. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, at a news conference yesterday, Fairfax County Police Chief uh, Kevin Davis called AG a monster and a coward who was well-known to police and asked why AG was on the street. He says that's a question that every player in the criminal justice system needs to continue to ask ourselves. As we look back at him and his criminal history and the opportunities that the criminal justice system may have had to interrupt his criminal behavior, that's always something that should give us pause to contemplate being better. Uh, no, uh, let, 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 let's. That, that seems so... Ah, low-key, right? Look, this is not the exception to the rule. AG's treatment is the rule in the criminal justice system. And so, again, I don't, I don't care what your views are on the right to keep arms. I assume, if you're watching this, that you're a Second Amendment supporter. But look, even if you're adamantly opposed to the right to keep and bear arms, it is absurd to me. The idea that we'll we'll just throw a couple of uh, new laws there on the books and everything will work out fine. Look at the state of our criminal justice system. Look at what's happening to violent offenders who are repeatedly getting slaps on the wrist, repeatedly being returned to the streets. You really think the answer is to crack down on legal gun owners? To put more nonviolent possessory offenses on the books? You think that's really going to make a difference when people like Mr. Agee are escaping the long arm of the law time and time and time again? I just don't see it. Don't see it. All right. As I mentioned, uh, today's Armed Citizen story and our uh, good deed of the day 
the same story from Detroit. You know, there was this uh, random shooting spree over the weekend. A 19-year-old is now in custody. And uh, in Detroit, we're now learning that uh, neighbors of one of the victims actually fired back uh, at this uh, suspected shooter and then worked to save uh, an injured victim. Yeah, I I haven't. This story has gotten national news, at least the shootings, but I haven't heard much about the armed citizen aspect to this. Uh, This uh, unidentified Detroiter said that uh, he looked out the window. He said, I could see the suspect shooting down the street, and I heard four or five shots, and I heard my neighbor crying for help. He said it was serious. He was being gunned down, like literally being gunned down. So this guy grabbed his own gun, ran to his front door, and engaged the gunman as he was uh, targeting his neighbor, John Pallack, a retired military veteran who was nearly killed as he was walking his dog on Sunday. The uh, neighbor said, I called out to the shooter to let him know my presence. I said, why are you shooting? Uh, continued to engage until the suspect eventually ran off. Then other neighbors sprang into action to help Palick as the uh, suspect disappeared. Uh, neighbor Chris Smith said, I realized he had a gun wound in his leg, so we just ran to the house. We got a belt, tourniquet. Uh, Tanya Stoudemire says, me and a couple of other neighbors were on the phone with 911, giving them information and everything. We were just doing what we were supposed to do, looking out for each other. Palick, one of four victims targeted by the suspect. Three of them were killed. Frank Knight, another neighbor, says it's frightening. He says, sometimes I ride the bus, but one of the people he shot and killed was waiting on the bus. Frank Knight lives on the same street where the suspect was uh, taken into custody. He said, I didn't really know anything about it until we came outside and the police were everywhere. Uh, he does say it was, quote, great to see everybody come out to help. Everybody calling the police, everybody coming out to help. He says, that's what the community is about. Meanwhile, the neighbor who shot back at that suspected gunman says, I'm not trying to be a hero about it. It wasn't a heroic moment. It was just to save a neighbor who is obviously being shot at. Well, you know, real heroes don't typically call themselves heroes, but I would say that uh, acting in the manner in which he did, uh, acting to protect another innocent life, putting his own life at risk in doing so, I think it qualifies as heroism. And in the right place, at the right time, willing able to do the right thing, we thank all members of that community for uh, saving Frank Palick's life. Now that's going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program. As always, we will be back tomorrow with another edition, but uh, you can also check out BearingArms.com to get caught up on all of the latest Second Amendment news and information throughout the day. If you like what you see, I would encourage you to become a VIP member as well. Just go to BearingArms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS. And you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. Not only will you be showing your support for the independent pro segment of journalism we do at Bearing Arms, but we're going to say thanks by giving you exclusive content, news stories and analysis you won't find anywhere else because your support does matter. And it really does make a difference. Have a great rest of your Tuesday. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Until then, be well, be safe and be free. <laughs>